do you ever look at people that are wildly successful and wonder, how do they get it all done? How do they always seem to get the next great opportunity? How do they seem to have a full plate of, of things at work, at home, but yet still seek out more opportunity and, and are able to perform at such a high level? Well, today, we're actually going to see what we can do for all of us to kind of mechanize some ideas so that we can actually become one of those high performers. Today, I'm talking with Brendan Burchard, the author of the book, High Performance Habits. Brendan, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm not only a huge fan, but I'm literally a product of what you all teach and do. So it's an honor to be here. I, I you know, I, I love having you on here as well. You've got such great energy, and this is going to be a great half hour together. And and what we can really promise the listeners as well is there's going to be some very specific t- uh, steps that they're going to be able to take um, after our conversation that, that we're going to, like I, I like to say, kind of mechanize it. What really got you into this quest of high performance? What really turned you on to this topic? Gosh, I wish I could say like some moment of super inspiration, but it was actually a, 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 a pretty tragic moment of my life. I was a 19-year-old kid and was in a very bad place mentally and emotionally and spiritually. I'd been through the breakup with the first gal I ever loved. Uh, we thought we were going to get married. And uh, when the breakup happened, my identity was so tied up in the relationship that when the relationship fell apart, I fell apart. And I fell into deep depression and ultimately uh, into suicidal thoughts. And I Mm. started planning to take my own life. And then um, very, very serendipitously, I was involved in a car accident uh, separate from that. And I I got it, man. I got it. When my life was threatened, that car accident, I realized I didn't I didn't want to die. I didn't want to take my life. I wanted to live. Yeah. And, you know, I got the greatest gift I really believe any teenage kid could ever get, which I just call now, it's just mortality motivation. Mm. You know, when you realize life can end and it's precious and you learn that young enough, you go, you know, what? I want to live a great quality of life. And so when I realized that, I knew I wanted to live. I knew I wanted to love more, even though my heart had been closed down. I realized that life was not just about me anymore. And I wanted to make some kind of difference because I was forced to ask literally standing on the crumpled hood of this car bleeding out after the accident, I was sort of forced to ask, you know, what was the purpose of all this? You know, did I even matter? Mm. And I, I hadn't felt like I'd mattered or done anything. I was just a 19 year old dumb kid. And, uh, it started my journey of looking into personal development because I just thought there must be a better way. I, I don't want to be sad anymore. I don't want to be upset anymore. I don't want to have this anger and hatred in my heart. I don't want to be broken. And so I started reading personal development. And I went, I went super deep on the classics, you know, Napoleon Hill and Dale Carnegie and Earl Nightingale and Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar, Tony Ken, you know, I just went way deep. And then I started studying psychology. And then after a lot of time, I started studying more leadership. And then that got me into doing leadership development with Accenture at the time, did that for about seven years, building major large-scale leadership development programs, JCPenney, eBay, Best Buy, Nordstrom, Levi's, Walgreens, on the Accenture teams. And then I left and wrote my first book, Life's Golden Ticket, and started doing my own personal development life coaching. And I pretty quickly realized I needed to do more research and I needed to really codify my own beliefs. And I wanted to understand what the world's best were doing to develop real competency and proficiency in whatever area they were trying to master. And that got me into the high performance studies and led to high performance habits. 
You know, I, I appreciate the story and I appreciate the personal story. And, and one of my takeaways right off the bat from your story is there's, you know, I think sometimes people wait for the right moment to to make a change, to to figure things out. And, and they go, well, I, you know, I've got this hardship or that hardship. I think the message from you in a lot of ways is to say any moment could be the right moment when your mind gets made up. Yeah. Uh, you know, it took it took a car accident smacking me in the head to realize that. And some other people just wake up and in bed after, you know, a tossing and turning night and realize things that need to change. Other people just have a moment of inspiration with their kids and say, I want to be the best mom or dad I can. I mean, it, it all takes something. But I really believe the greatest transformative experience in our lives is that mortality motivation moment. Those critical junctures when we realize how precious life is and we recognize that as a second chance. I recognize it as a second chance. I said, you know what? I can still live. I can still love. I can still matter. But now I better get busy about learning how to do that well. <laughs> you yeah. know? And I think when people start looking for no, new tools or new habits or new mindsets to change their life, that is such a beautiful time in their life. And I know we're speaking to the choir here because everyone listening is so deeply into this. I know we all geek about it. We all love this stuff so much because not only do we want to develop ourselves, we want to develop other people. And I think when we align those things where we're developing ourselves actively and really doing the research to see what can develop others, there's another level of joy and fulfillment that comes from that. Yeah, you know, my first exposure to you, and it's a well-worn book, so that's that's a compliment. I, I hope you take that as is is the Motivation Manifesto, and yeah. that was that was my first one. And I, I just love the the way you could you could kind of just take some 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 really simple ideas and and act upon them. And and I what I like about the, the your newest book, uh, High Performance Habits, is it 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 I feel like it's just this really big deep dive, and and with a, a whole bunch of clarity. Um, and you've come a long way from the manifesto in terms of the research and the studies and all the different pieces what why did you feel like this was the area you needed to go with next was it were you looking at those people and wondering what was making them tip how are they were able to kind of make those moves or did you have an idea and wanted to kind of put it all together so that other people could help from yeah you know i'd achieved something as a high performance coach that was really blessed and surprised and it was that i was starting getting the calls literally from the Oprah Winfrey's and the ushers and the fortune 50 CEOs. I was working at the top level and here's the truth. I knew I did not know whether or not my stuff worked. Mm-hmm. I was getting these calls where everything's on the line, huge money, huge persons, fame, celebrity. And I was like, you know what? If, if I'm going to be honest as a high performance coach, I need to test my work. I, I need to go deep. And I'd spent 15 years studying psychology. Uh, and I said, you know what? It's time to do an academic study. Let's prove out my theories. You know, I'd already taught at that point 3 million online students mm. had taken my courses. And we had done surveys with them. I said, it's time to do an academic study. And so I had a theory of what habits really made the most difference. But I also, from our industry, had over a hundred different performance variables on the sheet that had been academically correlated with long-term success. And so I said, there's a hundred different performance variables that can lead to greater success on a team, in a leader, whether it was a, you know, a specific habit or a mindset or a way in which they approach the style of their work. And I said, well, which of these hundred matters the most? Here's the ones I think would, but let's prove it. So I teamed up with some researchers who had worked with Angela Duckworth at the University of Pennsylvania's positive psychology department. And I said, let's run it. 
And we end up creating and running the world's largest study that's ever been done on high performers. You know, over 2 million data points from people from 190 countries around the world. You know, uh, a quarter million professionally taken assessments, uh, 300 systematic codified interviews with what were really like the top 15% of people in their industry or their category. And it was a three-year research project, took over 24 people to conduct, and it ended up into the research of high-performance habits, which I loved because, man, I learned so much. I always tell people, there's a lot of people who call them life coach or call themselves this type of coach or this type of consultant, but very few will put the rubber to the road and say, okay, test me. And I did that because I knew I would learn, and I did. Uh, Out of the six habits that are in this book, the six high-performance habits that are strongly, or I should say most strongly correlated with long-term external measures of success, I would have had, you know, four of them in my top 10 list. I would not have known that these were it. For example, I, I would have argued with anybody night and day to say that, you know, creativity and habits leading to creativity would have been in the top five. It's not in the top 10. Wow. So sometimes doing the academic research especially large scale. I mean, this was not a, a study with a thousand people. I mean, this was just, just in the US, we had 250,000 people participate. Um, so it was a major, major study. And uh, I, I can tell you, I, I learned so much through that process, had to question things that I'd taught or thought for a long time. And everyone who reads the books, they all go, oh, man, this high-performance happens. I, I didn't think of that one, but now I get it, you know? So it's it's really been transformative for me, but also for our readers. Yeah, your quick aside, it, 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 so there's a lot of similarities in, in your world and, and, and our world here at the Ken Blanchard Companies. Uh, the, the, the aside is that uh, for I've been at Blanchard for almost 15 years, and my mom still, I can't explain to her what I do. She just thinks, oh, you're like you're a motivational speaker. I'm like, well, no, mom, but if that's the best way to explain it, it is. And and so that kind of simplifies it to say motivate because there's so much research behind what we do at Blanchard. There's so much research what you're doing over there. And, and to go to hundreds of thousands of people to actually find out what this is, it's less about moving people you know, with, with energy and excitement and enthusiasm, but actually show them this actually works because we've actually looked into it. So let's, let's, let's do that. That's the promise of this podcast. Let's actually talk through what are those top habits. And I know it's broken down into kind of two different areas. So the personal habits that you can take on and then also kind of societal habits. What, is, what do you think is the best way for somebody to get started if they want to um, improve or, or build upon some of their personal habits to be more effective? Well, I think first, especially for this audience listening, you know, it's always that realization that whatever you learn in personal about it's already been said. So the issue isn't, you know, just common sense. It's that like common sense is not common practice. And so I hope what I share, people go, oh, of course. But then when you dig in the book and see how these high performers activate it, you'll see the difference. And I'll share those personal ones first. The top three personal habits of the world's highest performing people are number one, to seek clarity, number two, to generate energy, and number three, to raise necessity. And I'll briefly describe those, and we can dig deep as much yeah, as you want to yeah. hear these. Uh, the first one on seeking clarity, I love that because it doesn't say get clarity. And anyone here who's listened or coached or trained other people, you know that you can't just help people get clarity, but the people who really do achieve more tend to be more curious and they seek clarity. High performers tend to ask more questions of clarification than underperformers. 
high performers tend to constantly be on the lookout for seeking clarity about who they should be in certain situations and who they want to be, about how they want to treat other people, about the critical skills they need to develop to succeed, and about the specific service or difference that they want to make or give. And so what they do is they really hone in and they say, okay, in terms of self, social, skills, or service, who do I want to be? Uh, They're just so much more intentional. You know, I I had the blessings now of doing multiple courses with Oprah Winfrey Network and, and training their entire team, including Oprah, on high performance concepts. And one thing I love about her, she, I mean, talk about a high performer, but one way she starts every meeting, she always starts each meeting asking, what's the intention of this meeting? What's the intention of it? And the first time I heard that, I was like, that's seeking clarity right there. What's the intention of what we are doing here? High performers are very intentional people and they're constantly seeking that clarity of what does everyone want here? What are we after? What's most important? What should we focus on? And just by asking those questions that we just call clarity you know, broadly, they outperform other people because a lot of people just wander into things. As you know, man, they kind of wander in, they look around, they go through the motions. They're like, okay, man, they follow the path, but they're not seeking clarity, so they're not breaking through. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes that I always butcher, but if you don't know where you're going, Nita Riddle will take you there. And, and there's so many yeah. times people are just, 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 they're showing up but they're not showing up with, with an end goal in mind or where they want to go. So I, I appreciate that. So seek clarity. Habit number two is a little timely for me right now. There are those times where energy and, and creating energy and sustaining energy can be a, a challenge for me. And I know that's what can hold me back from time to time. And just coming off some, some pretty high stakes meetings in the last week, you know, what are your tips around generating energy and, and being able to sustain that or tap into those reserves or, or you know, what, what's your thoughts on that? You know, first I'll share, uh, I, I recognize what you're saying because uh, especially right now, so many people are absolutely burned out. They are pushed to the wall. There's so much opportunity. There's so many obligations. I mean, people, that th- there is a mental and emotional and spiritual fatigue that is real. You know, you and I spend a lot of time on the road talking with people and people are wiped out. And what I admired about the high performers we studied in this, in this research is they have taken command of their energy. They are, as I always say, you know, I ask people, please be responsible for the energy you are projecting into this space. And they have taken control and command of their mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual energy. And they develop habits around it to stay right? Frankly, energized, enthusiastic, insane, whether that's they developed a really rock solid morning routine or they use specific transitions between major activities or they develop meditation or other wellness practices. But what's very clear is that energy that they are projecting and feeling and sensing, that is at the very top of their priority list. Not, you know, number six, seven, eight or nine, but literally number one or two, because they realize If I don't have the mental energy, then I don't have the stamina to do my work during the day, or I don't have the ability to endure the creativity that is required here. Uh, If they don't take care of their physical body, they don't burn off that stress, and then they get irritable with other people. Uh, So things like I often tell people, don't don't think it has to be 
crazy big for a lot of people listening, you know, in the corporate world or, or who are really trying to support other people. You're busy at a desk most of the day. Uh, simple things I often tell people is between any major activity, try this activity we call release tension, set intention. Mm. So I'll give you an example. If I'm doing email and then I need to go create a, a keynote or PowerPoint presentation, I don't just do email and then go immediately create that presentation. Between every major activity, try to push away from your desk and close your eyes. And what I tell people is just repeat the word release to yourself as in like release tension. Release the tension from your body, release the thoughts from your mind. And I just tell people maybe even meditate as a mantra on that. You know, three or four minutes, release, release, release. Just enough to release some of that tension and give your mind a little bit of a break. And I really encourage people to close their eyes because a lot of mental fatigue actually comes from visual fatigue. So close your eyes, do a little release or do a prayer or just go silent or, you know, just go power down just for two, three, four minutes. And then ask, what's my intention for this next activity? How would I do this next activity where I can enjoy it and do it world class? And then begin. You know, it's kind of like, in High Performance Habits, I tell the story of a, uh, a super famous uh, client that I was blessed to work with in Silicon Valley, you know, billionaire kind of person, and was having a lot of trouble in uh, his relationships. And partially, would roll up to the house after a day of work, walk into the house, you know, still carrying all that energy from work and that intensity, and it was hurting his relationship. And I said, tell you what, let's try this release tension, set intention. Next time, still the same thing, roll up to the house, but before you go in, kick that you know, uh, chair back a little bit in the car, release the tension from your mind and your body just for two, three, four, or five minutes. And when you feel like it's just about going away and then say, okay, what's my intention here when I walk into the house? What kind of husband, caregiver, man, partner, father do I wanna be? What, what's the intention as you walk into that house? And that little activity of pull up the house, release the tension from the day, go into the house more intentional, literally change that person's life as simple as it is. We know we should do those transitional moments better, but what we think is, we all think that our exhaustion is coming from you know, working too late at night or working too hard too many days. No, 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 high performers are working just as many hours as you. What they're doing is, they're doing more consistent breaks throughout the day to refuel, to recharge, and to manage and maintain that high level of energy. Yeah, some yeah. great, yeah, some great tips there, and and I I do believe, uh, um, whereas people can look at at some of that mindfulness or some of that quiet activity, um, you know, meditation, they they can kind of see that as a scary scary uh, kind of barrier of entry to be able to get into that because it may seem uncomfortable for those that haven't tried it. It really does does give it uh, give people a good boost. And I, I was using one of those tips going into some meetings last week, which were a lot of sitting and getting in seven, eight hours in, in classrooms, learning a lot of different things. And and each time I, I walked into each one, I just it's just kind of a positive mantra to say, look, I'm here to be I'm here to learn, here to be positive and uh, and came with the right optimistic attitude. So some some great tips there. What is the last tip for um, last most important tip for yourself? Your uh, personal habits. Raise necessity. And what that means is high performers before any key situation, they raise the psychological necessity of why it is important to excel or do well there. 
right? It's like uh, they, they, they literally, they mentally do that. They mentally amp themselves up to do a good job, which I know sounds so simple, but the death of high performance happens from people who just go through the motions when they're good. Like being good is often the challenge because you can just show up and do whatever, but that's never gonna get you to the next level. You have to be more intentional about activating. Why is it necessary for me to be on my A game now? I tell people, leaders all the time, ask, who needs me on my A game today? And you know, I have the example of working with a US Olympic gold medalist sprinter, and I was asking, how did she know when she went down to the blocks and she looks to her left and her right to her competitors, how did she kind of know who would win? Because she always thought she you know, knew who would win. And she says, well, you know what the person I'm gonna bet on? Everyone's trained, everyone's good, everyone has a competency, everyone has skill just to be here. But she says, but the person who goes down to the blocks and looks forward and looks at that finish line and says, I'm gonna do this for my mom. That's the person I'm gonna bet on. And I was like, wow. Because if it's necessary for you to win that race for your mom, you perform differently. And this is that stuff of reattaching and reconnecting to your why, to the purpose, to the mission, to the reason beyond yourself. And high performers use that, that sort of mental one-upmanship in their own mind of why is it necessary to excel today or in this meeting? And they remind themselves. In other words, they have the guts to raise the psychological pressure on themselves. And most people, as you talked about earlier, you know, like meditation being uncomfortable. Well, that's very uncomfortable to make it more of a demand for yourself to do better. But high performers expect much from themselves. And that's why they often get more than others. Um, I've seen, uh, I've, I've, I've heard you speak, I've seen videos of you speak, I've heard people rave about it. What do you love about being up on stage and connecting with people in that level? Uh, I love the pressure. I, I believe it is an incredible responsibility to be gifted with the stage and to stand in front of people. I believe that, you know, they could be anywhere but serendipity or luck or universe or God, whatever people believe, put them in that specific chair at that specific time. So I better give my full heart. And it's the hardest thing I do. And you know, I, I, I'm blessed. I, you know, I spoke to 50,000 people live last year in arenas, conference centers, hotel rooms. Um, and I, I, I also run, you know, four different companies that each do tens of millions of dollars and none of running those companies is harder than stepping on that stage. Nothing is harder than that because I take it so seriously. But the, the payoff from that experience is one to challenge my own art. I, I love that to see if I can improve on myself. That's always a, a big drive of mine because I was scared of public speaking, like mortified, you know, uh, I was so worried some about it, you know, and, and so now having the ability to command, you know, 30,000 people in arenas for multiple days, that's, that's, that's a blessing. Uh, but also, as you know, it's when you see the light go on, Whenever, when people's eyes spark up and they, bam, they write down in the notes and they just, they start writing and you see, they keep, you finished your point and you moved on, but they're still writing because they found something about themselves and about their life in that moment right then that was probably even beyond you as the speaker. They just were the right place and maybe you set the environment or you gave the right thing or they thought of their brother, their sister, their mother, their team. And when you just see that writing happening, you know, lives are transforming and it just feels so fulfilling to spend your day doing that versus, you know, 
other opportunities or other things that people can do, this one just has so much meaning and transformation attached to it. It's, it's hard not to be deeply, deeply, deeply grateful for that. I, yeah, I love that. It's, it is a responsibility, and it reminds me of one of the first times I shared the stage with Ken, uh, and, and I told him, buddy, I'm, I'm a little nervous, and he goes, he goes, man, I still get nervous, and the day you're, you're not nervous anymore, your, your heart's not racing just a little bit, just just pour the, the dirt over you, you're probably dead. So I love that. All right, so let's go back to the book, and we've got, we've got a little bit less than 10 minutes now, so, let's, let's, so we've talked about the things that we can do. You talk about personal habits, about seeking clarity, generate energy, raise an necessity. What are some of those habits that you take to the society? What, what, are, what are those social habits, the things where you're, you're, you're more outwardly projecting and, and connecting with other people? Yeah, the social habits are so much driven on exactly that, how you connect with other people. So the, they are increase productivity, develop influence, and demonstrate courage. And I love these so much, like increasing productivity, because yeah, we all go, yeah, 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 of course we know that. But high performers actually are 30% more productive than the average counterpart on their team. And that's a lot, by the way. I mean, if you could be 10, 10% more productive than your peers, that's amazing. 30%, how do they do that? Well, they do that by how they block time, as we know, but also it's about how they have defined what they should be working on. You know, because there's a big difference between busy work and your life's work. Mm. There's a big difference between just getting things done and knocked off on a to-do list and a checklist and asking, what do I need to be most prolific about? In other words, what's the most prolific quality output that I could do here to really move the needle. In other words, they focus on needle movers differently. And I talk about all the ways they do that differently in the book. Uh, the second social habit is developing influence. And this one, of course, we all take for granted because people listening to this, we're all leaders, right? But what I found is a lot of people don't know how to strategically and purposely develop influence. They know how to get, they know how to get people to like them. They know how to help create belonging or culture, but they don't know the depth of influence. And we found that influencers at the highest levels, they do three simple things. One, they teach people how to think. They're constantly saying things like, hey, think of it this way, or how should we think about this? They're teaching people specifically how to think about themselves, how to think about other people, and how to think about the world. They also challenge people. Uh, you know, so many people shirk and shrug and, and tr are scared today to challenge people, and they don't realize how critical that is to leadership, to challenge other people's literally challenging their contribution or their relationships or even their character seems so scary. But if you think about anyone who ever, ever had a major impact in your life, they challenge you. Hey, young lady. Hey, young man, you could do better. And that kind of statements really make a difference. And then ultimately they role modeled the way they were specific about how they wanted to impact other people. Like my dad was my greatest influencer. And he passed in 2009, and he passed from acute myeloid leukemia. And uh, I was on the road when he got his diagnosis, and I was mortified because he hadn't been sick. And they said, you know, basically gave him seven days to live after diagnosis. It was just unbelievable how AML takes takes a body. And I was scared I wouldn't see him, so I got to I called him. I said, I want to I want to talk to you. I want to interview you. And, you know, we grew up in a time where there were video cameras around my house. 
you know, I didn't really have any footage of my dad or anything like that. So I called and asked him 30 questions about life. And in that process, I asked him, you know, what, what would you like to share with us? And, and he shared these seven things with me. He said, uh, and he turned, you know, it turned out he had been sharing these things throughout our life. I never knew how he intentionally was, but think how good these ones are. He said seven things. He said, be yourself, be honest, do your best, take care of your family, be a good citizen, treat people with respect, follow your dreams. And I hadn't ever realized he'd basically been saying that kind of stuff to me for, you know, 30 some years of my life. But interviewing him at the end, I realized he had been intentional about the influence he was trying to develop with us. He, he knew those things. And I just encourage everybody to really think about what what is the messages you want to influence with people what, what, what do you want them to know about you? What, what do you want them to really take away? What, what are the good values you want to espouse in the world? And get clarity on that, because if you don't, you'll never get the depth of influence you really could have with them. That's, that's very powerful, and, and it's uh, amazing to, to have that gift of that time to be able to, to, to have that conversation and, and see how it's woven into all of his, all of, all of, all of what he did to shape the man you are today. So it's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. So we are, uh, we, we've got one other one around the social habits and it's around demonstrating courage. And so I've, you know, I've, I've, you know, vulnerability, courageousness, uh, it, it, it's, there's a lot around that t- today. We hear a lot of that talked about. How do you define that and how do you demonstrate it without doing something Herculean on a daily basis? Yeah, this was like, this is actually the hardest part of the study was there has been a lot of academic research and science uh, in the topic of courage, believe it or not, uh, because so many um, researchers codify it and speak of it differently. And so instead of us trying to make it up with a theory, we asked high performers worldwide, millions of them, how they thought of courage, how they would define it, how they would describe it. And through that research, what we found was kind of something surprising. It wasn't Herculean. It wasn't jumping in rivers to save babies, though some tremendous efforts happen sometimes. The real practical daily stuff that led to high performance was usually twofold. One, it was the courage to face the unknown and to step into it in a, in a sense of like having a personal trust in self to figure things out. You know, confidence is ultimately our belief in our ability to figure things out. And they were more willing to face an uncertainty and take a step towards it. That's the no-dust stuff. But the things that we loved learning were they ended up being, and we actually measured this, in meetings, they communicate more often than other people what they really think, want, feel, desire, need than other people. Underperformers In other words, they don't speak up for themselves. They don't share their truth. We all think that courage must be this big vulnerable act. Oh my gosh, when I was a child, this thing happened. (laughs) You know, that's, that makes a good Ted talk. That's not how it operationalizes itself in real life. The real way it operationalizes itself, courage, especially related to high performance, which again is long-term success while maintaining positive relationships and well-being. The real courage is this. Do the people around you actually know what you really want 
think, feel, and desire on a consistent basis. You know, some people, their spouse doesn't even know them. Their coworkers don't know them because they don't speak up for their truth. They don't share what they really think on a daily, very basic level because it takes courage to do that. The other thing we found out was high performers also speak up for others more often. And they're the ones to say, hey, you know what? Hey, guys, this has been a good meeting here, but Sally hasn't spoken yet. Sally, what did you want to say? They're the ones that when someone's being rude to Barbara over there, say, hey, wait a second. Um, hey, all, let's not pile on Barbara here. She's sharing her thoughts and her opinions. They speak up and protect others in just like minute little ways, not big dramatic ways. And so speaking up for yourself and speaking up for others on daily consistent basis, that's the stuff of real courage. We're talking with Brendan Burchard, the author of High Performance Habits, How Extraordinary People Become That Way. And Brendan, you've given us a lot of, of, uh, of fabulous ideas. You've given us a great starting point uh, for our listeners. I highly recommend for you to go out and, and pick this book up. It's a, it's a, fam- it's a fabulous kind of um, how-to manual uh, for you to just take some very simple steps and, and, uh, and very deliberate steps uh, to be a more of a high-performance individual in your work, in your life, and, and all the things in between. So as we begin to, to wrap up this story, uh, this conversation, uh, Brendan, is there, you know, if you could really kind of think through, and it doesn't necessarily have to be about this book, if, if there's just one final thing that you would la- want to impart to our listeners uh, uh, today um, after, our, after hearing our conversation, what would that, you'd want that to be? It's that the things that matter most to your performance are often very common sense, but they're not common practice. So identifying the things that make you most extraordinary is the most important thing you can do. Not just from a strengths perspective, because we take on the whole strengths revolution deeply in this book and show the science that is an alternative to it, because it's more about habits and personality that matter. And what we show is that your habits can change. And when you align the right habits, you're doing those things where you're outproducing your peers by 30%. You're feeling much happier by 28%. You're much more likely to be perceived as a leader by 18 to 40%. You're much more likely to feel satisfied at work by 62%. These things are actually attainable, not by changing who you are or your style, but implementing some basic habits that the world's highest performing people do. It's possible. You just got to have clarity about what it is and just do the work. The stuff works. The stuff works. Thank you so much. So if people wanted to dig a little bit deeper, if they want to learn more about you, where should they go? I'll tell you two places uh, just to learn about what we do. You can go to brendon.com. That's B-R-E-N-D-O-N.com. And also we have a podcast called The Brendan Show, um, and I, we usually don't t- t- talk too much about it, but there's an Easter egg in the Brendan show. Uh, for those who are new to podcasts and don't know what that means is we released a, like a secret season and that season is season number four in the Brendan show. So if you subscribe to Brendan show and scroll back to season four, we released the entire audiobook of high performance habits for free. No. So you, your teams, wow. anybody you want, your family, to the whole world, you are welcome to listen to the entire audiobook. I was the first author to ever do it as an Easter egg in a podcast. Uh, the full unabridged copy of High Performance Habits that I narrated for folks. Um, and uh, the publisher about had a heart attack with the idea, but then I thought, <laughs> listen, 
if, what's our mission here? What are we really after? And uh, so we released the entire audiobook of an active book. You know, some people might do that five years later, but this is still a bestseller. So we <laughs> we kind of went crazy with it. But so season four, The Brendan Show, you can listen to the entire audiobook, you, your team, or your family. I love it. I love it. Brendan, thank you so much. It's been a, a, a pleasure having you on and, and just really appreciate you, you providing all of your insights. Brendan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for being a part of the, the Leader Chat podcast. Such a privilege. And thank you so much for the energy and the information, the empowerment you all put out every single day. I'm a student of that. I learned from it and it inspires me, man. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. Chad, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed your interview with Brendan on his book, High Performance Habits. And one of the things I really loved about it was Brendan said that, unfortunately, common sense is not common practice. And that the habits that he's found in this, in this amazing, extensive research is really common sense. And really what he wants to do is how can we help people make these common sense habits actually common practice? And, and that's something that I've been talking about for a long time is how do you find out what is common sense and, and how do you kind of push people to put it into practice, you know. I have people come up to me all the time and say, can I just love your books and all and all. And I always say, oh, thank you. But I really want to say, have you ever used any of it? <laughs> you know, talk is cheap, my father would say, but it takes money to buy whiskey. I mean, you know, you got to do something. And uh, so I thought that was exciting. The other thing I enjoyed is he talked about uh, one of the first important habits of, of high performers is they seek clarity. And I think that's what I've been doing in my writing. That's why I like to co-author. My mother used to say, why don't you write a book by yourself? You know, I've only written two by myself, one on golf. So many people helped my golf game. I didn't know how to write it with in my spiritual journey. But uh, I'm always trying to say, what are the main things that you want to share? What What is it that you do that makes a difference out there? And how can I pull that together? I mean, why is the one-minute manager done so well? Because it's common sense organized, you know. And uh, so I think that's that's really important. And then how do you manage your energy? And I think that's how you uh, make sure that you don't whip from one activity to another activity and all, that you have some downtime in between, you know, to, to reflect and, and think. I, I try to enter my day slowly. You know, so I don't leap out of bed after the alarm clock into my task-oriented self and go racing all over the place. If I start my day right with slowly, I think about what's on my schedule today, uh, how do I want to be today, what are the results that I want to get, why am I doing the different things, and really kind of have a period of reflection on the day, uh, kind of setting some mental uh, goals 
uh, about how I want to be and behave and the results I want to get. And then what's helpful me recently is I, at the end of the day, I'm kind of thinking, how well did I do? Uh, and I'm putting at the top of a journal page praisings, you know, what did I do today that uh, I feel good about? Uh, it's consistent with who I want to be. And then redirections, which is what I what would I like an instant replay around so that I uh, could do it again. Uh, and uh, it's interesting when you track what you do well and what you need to redirect is you'll see what are the problem areas that you need to set some goals and work on. So I think another final thought, and, and I think the key on this is be intentional about what you do. Listen to this podcast. Share it with other people. Uh, also read Brendan's book, High Performance Habits. I think it'll make a difference in your life and the people around you. So thanks, Brendan, and thanks, Chad. You're the best. <laughs>